Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 25 Secret Passageways Katie watched Jackson disappear around the bend. Turning, she looked at Zack and Clexi. Do you think I went over the top? No, Zack assured her. I would have seriously kicked her ass. Katie eyed him steadily. Look, I don't want to have Michael Jackson syndrome where I surround myself with yes men. If I act badly, I want to be told. Zack grinned. You went over the top. Cluxy chuckled. David is the kind of person who will always stick up for the underdog. Katie frowned. I know that. If you know that, then why did you attack her like you did? David's natural protective instincts will automatically jump into overdrive, obliterating anything else. Katie nodded in understanding. You're right. I, of all people, should know that. She turned and headed towards the plantation home, wondering what Reginald Cumberland wanted with her. Why are we here? Katie folded her arms, looking around to what was obviously a library. The walls were lined with empty shelves. Reginald eyed Zack and Clexi. I'm not sure it's wise to include your friends in this conversation. Zack straightened his shoulders giving the butler his wild eye look. I'm not letting Katie out of my sight, Katie sighed. It's okay. I trust these two with my life. She could actually see Zack and Cluxy's chest puff out with pride, still giving the two large guys in the room a disdainful stare. Reginald crossed over and did something to one of the bookshelves. Pushing on the wood, it actually moved back and to the right, creating a large hole in the wall. Zack gave a low whistle. Katie walked carefully up to the exposed hole, peering in. She could see a hidden hallway. She turned back to Zack and Cluxy, a grin widening her face. I've always wanted to live in a house with secret passageways. Where does it go? Zack asked. Reginald pointed. To the right, there are stairs leading up to every bedroom in the house. Katie peered into the darkness. And to the left, Reginald reached around and grabbed a flashlight, handing it to her. He flicked on his own. If you will follow me, I believe you will find this interesting. Katie followed the butler. She kept shining the light, looking at the ceiling and then the floor. They came to some stairs that led downward. Reginald paused. The wood on these stairs were completely rotted. I had to have them replaced before I informed you of these passageways. I was afraid you would try to go down them and hurt yourself. Katie nodded, realizing he was probably right. The air was becoming decidedly cooler. The library was on ground level. They were obviously going below ground. 
Reaching a large wooden door, Reginald turned several latches, swinging the door open. Cold, damp air immediately rushed out to meet them, her flashlight dancing around the walls. It appeared they were in a cave. She recognized the soda straws from the ceiling, along with some colorful stalagmites on the floor. If you will come this way, Reginald directed. They came into a natural room, completely dry. Katie's flashlight lighted on the walls and froze. There were paintings on the walls. Katie walked closer to get a better look. The wall was about 30 feet long, reaching up 20 feet in the air. The whole wall was covered in crude Native American paintings. She recognized the form of a large white tiger. Standing on each side of the tiger was a large white wolf and a polar bear. Zack stood beside her. I think it's telling a story. Katie automatically went to the far left of the wall. She gazed at the paintings, not understanding what was in front of her. We read left to right, Cluxy said, his voice bouncing off the walls. That doesn't mean the people who told this story does the same thing. From top to bottom, Katie asked, automatically shining her light upward. If I had to guess, I would say from the bottom up. Zach said, his voice quiet so it wouldn't echo around him. Katie hesitated. Why would you say that? He shrugged. It just seems logical to start writing the story where it's easiest to reach. You also wouldn't run out of room. If you started the story and you didn't go high enough, Cluxy inserted, you would want plenty of room to be able to finish it properly. Katie went to the middle of the wall, her flashlight drifting down. She gasped. There was the waterfall with a small pool. She had seen it so many times in her dreams. She recognized it immediately. If you wouldn't mind, Katie, there are a few other things I would like to show you. Katie blanched. In her excitement, she had completely forgotten the butler's presence. If he hadn't spoken when he had, she would have pointed out the waterfall to Zach and Cluxy. She had to mentally pull herself away from the wall. Lead the way. She followed Reginald to another door. Her flashlight darted around to see how it could be constructed from solid rock. The rock around the door was square, like it had been cut precisely to fit the large wooden door. Holes had been cut out of solid rock, and large wooden beams rested inside of them. Once again, Reginald lifted a few latches, and the door swung open with ease. Katie walked into the room. She could hardly believe what she was seeing. It looks like a bedroom. The walls were plastered the same way her bedroom was upstairs. An antique bed stood in the corner, with a large wardrobe standing against the wall beside it. A basin and a pitcher stood against another wall. It had a mirror and what appeared to be antique shaving supplies next to it. It's like we just stepped into a time capsule, she said with awe. Why is it here? The wet side of the cave leads to another door and then out to a natural cave opening in the woods. Reginald said, My guess is 
This used to be a stop on the Underground Railroad. An Underground Railroad? Katie hesitated. Where they help slaves travel north to be free? It is the only thing I can think of why it would be here. Reginald pronounced, It's a secure, comfortable place. It has a way out far enough away from the house to avoid any suspicion. Zack looked around the room. Right here, in this very room. Slaves wanting to be free. They rested and continued on their journey. I'm not surprised, Katie said softly, the awe still in her voice. You can't expect anything less from Anne Martineau and her family. Zack nodded. This is sacred ground. How do you know anything about the family who lived here? Reginald said in a puzzled voice. Katie glanced towards the butler. They used to be a prominent member of Lexus. Why wouldn't we know about them? Anne was born more than 150 years ago, Reginald pointed out. He was giving her an odd look. She shrugged. I just know about her, that's all. Cluxy walked over to the wardrobe and opened the doors. We probably need to rethink what this room was used for. Zack looked inside the wardrobe. His expression darkened. Curious. Katie walked over to see what they were both looking at. There were two items of clothing still hanging, a gray Confederate uniform and a Ku Klux Klan hooded sheet. She turned around to face Reginald. Did you know these items were here? Yes, I saw the clothing, the butler admitted. I still think this room was used as an underground railroad. Katie frowned. I don't understand. The Ku Klux Klan was organized after the Civil War. The Confederate uniform does not automatically prove they were pro-slavery. The Ku Klux Klan began in Tennessee and will never die, Cluxy said, his voice filled with pride. Katie immediately stepped between the two pure hearts, knowing Zack was going to start swinging. Cluxy! That is not something anyone should be proud of. Getting back to the point I was trying to make, the butler interrupted. When it looked like Zack was going to fight with Cluxy, regardless of whether Katie stood in his way, the Ku Klux Klan's uniform has never been worn. How can you tell? Katie asked, staring at the clothing. It's in pristine condition. Reginald pointed out the white fabric would have some kind of stains. He reached up and showed her a price tag hanging from one of the sleeves. She frowned. I thought they just made these out of old sheets. When the Ku Klux Klan was first organized, they probably used sheets, the butler answered. Later, you could buy these robes from any store, even through Sears catalogs. Zack shut the door of the wardrobe with a resounding thud. The doorway which led to the passageway from the master bedroom also had a Ku Klux Klan robe hanging directly in front of it. It looked much older and obviously in worse shape than the one in here, Reginald explained. You still don't believe they were members of the Ku Klux Klan? The butler shook his head. If this room was found by someone who was looking for evidence, the uniforms would have given them a pause to reconsider the charges. They would not jump to the obvious conclusion that they were helping slaves. Katie finally understood what the butler was trying to say. 
anyone who saw the uniforms would immediately decide the family wasn't guilty because they were members of the Klan. Reginald nodded. They were able to operate right under the noses of the people looking for runaway slaves. Later, protecting blacks from the Klan without any suspicion resting on their shoulders. Katie left the small room and watched very closely the intricate latches used to open the door. Is this the actual door? Yes. The butler turned the last latch before turning to face her. The hinges and latches were rusted shut. It took quite a bit of effort to open them. I had new hinges and latches made exactly like the old ones. Oddly enough, the wood to the door was still good. Katie went back to the paintings on the wall, her eyes automatically drawn to the waterfall. It was in dead center of the wall. All the other paintings seemed to spring from it. Above the waterfall was the white tiger she had seen before with the white wolf and white bear flanking it. I can see how you would be fascinated by this wall, Reginald said, his voice echoing off the walls. Since you obviously transform into a white wolf and your friend that just drove away changes into a white tiger, Katie froze. Zack and Cluxy moved into position directly in front of her, their backs to her. Both of them faced the butler, their arms dangling by their sides, ready for anything. Don't be alarmed, Reginald said in an offhanded manner, like they were discussing the weather. It wasn't the first time I saw you change into wolf form. Katie turned her flashlight, shining in Reginald's eyes. Will you please get that light out of my eyes? It is rude. Katie automatically lowered the light till it shone on the butler's chest. The first time I saw you turn into a wolf, you were preparing cots for these two. I knew you were in the bedroom, and I wanted to discuss something with you. I walked into the room in time to see you jump over the railing of the patio from the second floor. I dashed over to see if you were okay. I saw you transform into a large white wolf and run into the woods. Katie shut her eyes. She remembered that day. She had felt Candy's happiness and went into her mind where she witnessed David kissing her. She had heard Reginald's footsteps and jumped out of the window to get away. I know how to keep secrets, Katie. Reginald said in a steady voice, I would like to know yours. Zack snorted. Just because you would like to know doesn't mean you're going to. It's pretty stupid for you to lead us down here. When no one can hear your scream, Cluxy said in a deadly voice. Reginald looked at the two large guys with contempt. I believe I know enough about people to know neither one of you are cold-blooded killers. Katie stepped forward, pushing Zack and Cluxy out of the way. Let's all take a deep breath and discuss this like normal human beings. She eyed the butler warily. I understand you're curious, but I'm not going to spill my guts out just because you know a small detail of what's going on in my life. You can trust me, Katie. 
Reginald emphasized, I believe I have a right to know, since a member of my family is obviously involved. Katie folded her arms. Maybe it's her you need to question. Reginald gave her a curt nod. I intend to. Katie gave the wall one last longing look before turning to head up the stairs. Candy, she called out with her thoughts privately. Reginald knows I turn into a wolf and David turns into a tiger. You may want to come back here and explain a few things. There was a slight pause. I'll be right over. Katie turned to Reginald. Candy said she'll be right over. Reginald raised his eyebrows. You just communicated with her? Katie realized her slip, shrugging her shoulders. Yes, I did. She gazed steadily at Reginald. This may be an ideal setting to explain to Candy what your relationship is to her. Her parents have disowned her. Even though we consider her family, blood will always be thicker than water. Reginald gave a slight nod. Katie walked out of the plantation home and sat down on the stairs, waiting for Candy's arrival. She glanced around. The vines were trimmed back. A few small, flowering bushes were strategically placed in a symmetrical design. Lizzie's projection is no longer here, she said softly, so only Zack and Clutsy could hear. They immediately looked around and stared longingly into the trees. Katie knew exactly what they wanted. Okay, let's go find her hiding spot. Zack gave a whoop and jumped the length of the stairs onto the ground. Making sure he wasn't outdone, Cluxy had to do the same thing. Smiling, she followed them into the woods. I don't get it, Katie said with her thoughts. If she was this close to us, how come the seeker scent ended a hundred yards in that direction? She put her nose to the ground again. Lizzie's scent was strong. Obviously, this was her hiding place. Her projection covered the entire plantation home. Cluxy changed into human form. Maybe she moved it as we walked down here. Katie shook her head. That's pretty hard to do and not give yourself away. What happens if you see a tree in front of us and then it disappears? We would immediately get suspicious. It's pretty hard to memorize exactly where everything is and move everything along. Zack transformed into a human. Does the projection have to be a full circle around you? Can you throw the projection mostly in front of you? Katie changed into human form. I don't know. I've never tried it. She looked towards the small clearing where the attack was supposed to have taken place. Lizzie was close enough to hear everything we said. She turned back facing her bodyguards, remembering that they had remained human the whole time. What did you guys see in here? Tell you the truth, we had no idea why we were here, Zack explained. You just told us at the compound that there was something you needed to do. When you started speaking to the pure heart liar, and she started blubbering about an attack, was the first inkling we had of what was going on. Cluxy inserted, we were by David's jeep. She couldn't have heard us from that distance, Katie said slowly. When we were down here, what did you see in here? Zack squinted his eyes against the bright sunlight. We watched Candy, Jackson, and you sniff the ground, and then had a private conversation. Candy left, and then we heard David telling you he didn't believe what the three of you had come up with. 
He said a couple of times he promised Sandy he would not leave her. It wasn't until you changed into human form and Candy joined the circle that we were able to tell no attack had taken place. Katie frowned. If I remember right, David said there was no attack, and I agreed. David asked, why would you lie? You said, Lizzie wants a division between the pure hearts and seekers, Cluxy answered. Zach shook his head. David started defending Lizzie, saying there was no proof, and that's when you went all Guantanamo Bay on the pure heart. Katie shook her head. Damn, Lizzie has irrevocable proof. I suspect her a traitor. And we decided there was no attack before David came down. She knows we can block her projection. David doesn't believe she's a traitor, Fluxy inserted. Katie rubbed her forehead in agitation. He will if he gets Sandy talking. What happens if Lizzie gets to Sandy before David can speak to her? Zach pointed out. She's dead. She automatically reached out with her mind. David, have you talked to Sandy yet? No, Katie. She was so hysterical, I just took her home. I told her I would speak to her in the morning. Katie rubbed her eyebrows in frustration. David, she's not safe. I don't want to hear any more of your theories until you give me concrete proof. Finding her dead by morning? Is that going to be enough proof? Cool it with the drama, Katie. I've already had enough today to last me a lifetime. Katie, screaming out in frustration. She lost control and immediately changed into wolf form. How many pure hearts have to die before you will listen to me? Her thoughts were loud and directed towards one person, the great white tiger. He didn't bother answering. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. If you are enjoying this series and would like to help support it, I have created a pod fan and Patreon account where you can donate. The best thing you can do is tell your friends and family about this series and let them participate. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.